Welcome to What Is It About the Weather? Where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to try to answer the question, can weather information be mobile and consistent? But before getting into today's topic, as always, let me take a moment to say thank you to all of you who are supporting the podcast. But also take a moment to say, hey, you person who has never supported the podcast. It's really not hard. Learn more about doing it at whatisitabouttheweather.com slash support. There's easy ways to get started. And any step you take in that process is greatly appreciated and helps keep the podcast enjoyable and informative and ongoing for all of us. Now, this question of mobile consistency. Some people, you know, would, would throw around a term like oxymoron, but it's really, you know, doesn't quite fall on that. It's not like jumbo shrimp or less is more. However, however, it does seem contrarian because so many of us, as we deal with all these information sources we deal with on these little tiny devices, run into situations where we're trying to make a decision and these different sources that we kind of count on and depend on or telling us different information. Now, you know, whether to take an umbrella or not, maybe it's not as critical for things like that. Maybe you'll err on the side of carrying it. But I can tell you, when you've got a severe thunderstorm or tornado warning headed your way, you need consistency. You don't want two things telling you two different things. But how feasible is that? And where should the lines be? As you know, recently I had the pleasure of being in a recording session with Castle Williams and Min Fon from the Weather Hype podcast. And these are topics very important to them. Min's done a lot of work with the mobile area and Castle with consistency. So I took that opportunity to ask some, them some questions about these topics. And I thought what we would do is go ahead and have that part of the session before I talk about all these podcasts that are in National Weather Podcast Month, which I do want to take some time and overview them with you, so that you can look at these two kind of balancing acts in terms of how you might enjoy some of these other podcasts and complement what we do here. So when the effort of trying not to run over again. I know I ran a little long again last week. You don't need to tell me. Somebody already did. Let's take it to that session where we talk about specifically the mobile element first and then consistency. And I'll come back afterwards and bring it into where it all fits in National Weather Podcast Month. <laughs> so Castle and Min, since I have you guys captured for a few minutes here, I thought I'd take a moment to, you know, pick your reins a little bit and we'll transition to a couple topics that I know are important to you. Sure. And Min, I think I'll start with you. Um, you. You've done some research related to the whole mobile sector, right? Yes. And how, we, how we're using mobile and, and, you know, got a degree based on this kind of stuff. That's, I was, you know, thesis work. It's important stuff. But 
maybe if you could step back just a little bit and think about mobile and think about where meteorology is today. You know, we're in the social media age mm-hmm. and, you know, we're, we're getting thrown a lot of stuff at. And But one of the problems I have is in some ways mobile has made us dumber in terms of the information we're getting. Yeah. Where do you where do you think mobile fits and where do you see us being able to take meteorology within a mobile environment? You know, I it's funny. So I'm submitting my thesis and have kind of cleaned it up a little bit for uh, publishing in a manuscript. And I, I imagine this is probably one of those questions the reviewers will have <laughs> for uh, for me when I uh, get some edits back. But those are great questions, and I think it's it's tough, right? And going back to the idea of what you're saying dumbing it down for the general audience in a way and or you know where people don't really have to think too hard because let's face it you can pull up your phone pull up a weather app and the numbers are right there for you it can tell you at this point hour by hour sometimes minute by minute when the rainfall is going to happen or when the weather is going to occur and so i always go back to this interesting story of when i was working uh, a few years ago as an intern at an emergency management office locally here in savannah and um Somebody looked at their phone app and and said it was going to rain in about two hours, so they were going to go for a run. But you could hear the thunder and the lightning outside and see the lightning, and it was clear that it was going to rain at any second. But they're you know strapping on their shoes and they're going for a run anyway, despite the fact that all signs indicated it was going to rain. And so I've seen a lot more of that kind of stuff just anecdotally in my life where people will say, well, it said it's going to rain, you know, right at 10. And so they believe it, or it's going to snow in, in a week and a half for the 10 day forecast. So they believe it. And so it's really difficult. You run into some issues now with people taking everything on their phone and, and taking it for face value instead of, you know, listening to a meteorologist on TV suggesting or showing the uncertainty and saying, well, you know, there is a chance that there's some showers and storms today, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, we're watching a storm system come through next week and it could drop some snow showers. But you're now moving into an, an age where everyone's looking at their phone and making these decisions based on something they think is, you know, completely accurate and completely true meteorologists and forecasters are great at their job but we're not that great where we can pinpoint exactly um, things like that that will happen but it seems like we're moving in that direction Um, castle and i did some research on the probability of precipitation they started adding that to a forecast and so for those who don't know um, when you look at a weather forecast you see a number indicating the percent of rain or percent of snow or chance of snow anyway so a 50% chance of rain or snow or a 90% chance of rain or snow, that wasn't always in a forecast. But once they started adding it um, a couple of decades ago, people have become accustomed to it. And there was a kind of a small movement. And Castle, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong about that. Sure. But there was kind of a push to um, eliminate those numbers because they weren't um, being interpreted by the audience correctly. But people were just so used to it that they want to see that number in a forecast, whether or not they truly understand what it means or not. And so now you're moving into an age with smartphone and technology where even if people don't truly understand maybe the meteorology that's going on behind the numbers, they just want to see it because it's convenient for them. Um, I know one feature on a mobile weather app is the um, rain alert where they'll tell you it's going to rain here in eight minutes because it's just looking at reflectivity on a radar, seeing what direction it's moving in pinpointing it to your GPS location and just kind of tracking it to see how fast it will impact you. That has been, in my research, something that people really like. 
but it's not always going to be accurate. And especially, you know, it could be a summertime thunderstorm that could pop up right over you and you could, it could be sunny one moment and then you'll get an alert on your phone that says it's going to rain on you in five minutes. Um, how much time do people really need to prepare for a rainstorm? Five minutes might be just enough time, but it's a convenience factor for them. So having that information and giving everything to the consumer seems to be the way it's going. And I wonder um, how that could potentially further, I guess, threaten the idea of common sense and, and kind of thinking for yourself. Don't know if I have answers for you, Mark. It's a really long-winded uh, discussion I just gave you, but um, I feel free to, to hash it out with me even further if you'd like. Yeah, it, it's no. Those are excellent perspectives, and I guess I come back to it as as we've just recently had this episode where there was this tsunami warning that went out. I know it's not specifically a weather event, but it's handled by the same agency that handles you know weather forecast here in the U.S. And it was supposedly a test, and there's been all these finger pointing and you know who did what wrong and why did you know thousands of people magically get a warning on their little mobile devices that you couldn't see all of Mm -hmm. that told them there was a tsunami headed their way. This to me highlights some of the challenges that we have with these, you know, I know they've gotten bigger, but there's still these tiny little devices and sometimes things get cut off. Is the platform ready? I mean, do you really think that where we're trying to get weather forecast to between, you know, inaccuracies of the forecast itself and how people interpret it is it just too much to ask yeah it's it's really it's so a vast area and you know the research that i was doing was kind of a literature um an attempt to kind of solve the issue that there wasn't really much literature talking about smartphones and technology and and how we're using that to communicate information. And so for me, kind of laying the foundation for that and then having other people look into those issues, because, you know, I I don't have the answers to to some of those questions, a lot of those questions, honestly, but it's something that we're going to continue to dig in, hopefully, and, and, and try to figure out more because... These are going to be problems that we're going to be facing now and into the future. We're already facing them. You know, you said the tsunami warning in Hawaii and, and people were freaking out and, and whatnot because they got an alert on their phone. Um, and a small mistake like that can have some huge implications when it comes to the idea of a false alarm or not trusting people. And having that trust is really important. So are we losing that trust with people? Are people not going to believe us anymore or believe us less when they have these issues that you know come on to them and castle i'm sure you can speak a little bit to that as well but it's it's a very interesting but um area that people are looking into more and i hope that there will be more research and i know there there is more research going on in that for sure if i could chime in really quickly i think it comes back to this idea that we as a community may not be ready to kind of move into this mobile space but our audience is they're the ones that are kind of using social media. They're using these mobile alerts. They're moving into a, a more mobile arena, and we're having to follow suit, and we're having to follow them in order to provide them with the information that they need. So there's a lot of this kind of uh, moving it, the broadcast movement into more of a streaming platform so that um, broadcasters are doing more on a mobile device by streaming their webcast or doing additional um, kind of streaming things through Facebook Live or Periscope or um, even just through their webs, their news, like their news website, in order to stream mm-hmm. this content to people who use mobile phones. Um, so I think, unfortunately, even if the weather kind of community and arena isn't ready to move 
completely into a mobile kind of platform or space that we're kind of having to follow where our audience is going and to provide them with that necessary information that they need. So the consumer essentially is driving the different innovations as maybe, you know, when smartphones first came out, the different organizations are putting out those pieces of information, those alerts that were really convenient. Now the consumer demands to have that. And so now we have to really continue to feed off of what they want from us so that we can do that. And, you know, a question that I've gotten a lot from people, especially those in the National Weather Service is, you know, why don't we have a mobile app, an NWS, you know? And, you know, I've, I've talked to people within the National Weather Service and there's the issue of, you know, potential um, conflict of interest with, you know, public sector infringing on the private sector and things like that. But a lot of people have, have gone to the numbers that I've provided in my research that shows that, you know, mobile apps are, are totally the wave in the future and, and already currently now how people get their forecasts. And the NWS is going to be lagging behind and continuing to lag behind if they don't have an app. Because people are not going to be tuning in or, or looking at their National Weather Service website as much on their mobile phone. They can. They can certainly access it. But, and you know, the NWS website is mobile friendly in some ways. But until they have an actual standalone app, th- it's going to be really difficult for them to stay relevant. And people are easily going to turn to their, you know, Weather Channel app or AccuWeather app or something like that. I know for me, it's easier for me to go to my Weather Channel app. So I go there, even if... I know that I trust NWS even more or the information from there. It's about convenience a lot of times for people being easy to use and easy to understand. And the information on an app is, for the most part, much simpler than looking at an NWS web page. Yeah, I guess the good and bad, right? Uh, the The reality is one thing. The reality of where we are with that thing is something completely different. Yeah, yeah. So, Castle, let me, let me ask you, I mean, I know you talked a lot at AMS about consistency within the, the broader communication context, and we've got this scenario more and more where private companies are starting to do their own alerts, their own warnings, and that sort of thing. And we seem to need that somewhat in this mobile space because, you know, the NWS isn't there with an app, and, and you can't you know count on them to deliver the same way they've delivered over weather radios and what, the way they've even delivered on the website. How do we achieve, or can we, that consistency across the weather enterprise and specifically in the mobile space, or do you think we can? Well, I think the difficult part is kind of acknowledging what we mean by when we say consistency or message consistency. So there are several definitions out there meteorologists think about it in completely different ways and so i think it's important first as a community that we come together and kind of realize what we mean when we say we need to be consistent in the way that we are kind of communicating this knowledge or risk information or communicating anything it doesn't mean we need to have the exact same message or alert or uh, graphic that we're showing people doesn't mean something similar do we want just the gist like a, a takeaway to be the same doesn't have to be designed or graphically depicted in the exact same way i mean these are questions that i have and that the weather community has regarding consistency so i think that when we think about it in the mobile space it really that's where the challenge has arisen um, or arose from in when we think about consistency because we have all these different private sector companies um, we have different NWS offices all creating and designing graphics differently. They're putting out different messages on social media. 
Um, so it really comes down to thinking about consistency in this mobile space, in the social media world. How are we going to kind of conceptualize being consistent and what are we going to do to strive for consistency? Uh, or even taking it a step further, who's going to police or kind of in, inform this consistency or, or how are we going to kind of police when we're not being consistent or when we are being consistent? So the world of message consistency is very tangled and confusing, um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to kind of try and pick up, pick apart these different aspects of it and strive for thinking about a weather community that is portraying some sort of message that is similar or consistent across all avenues. But again, the, the, the more space the, in the mobile space, we're continuing to add different sources and the more sources you have, the more, uh, inconsistent, if you will, the message may be. Do you think it, it provides a challenge from, I guess, the, even the consistency or just the communication aspect when you go and you see all these apps that are available that say NOAA radar or NOAA alerts and knowing darn well that we know, right, that they're not official apps from NOAA or the National Weather Service. Do you think a, an everyday user on their mobile device has that clue or is aware of that? I don't. And I think that's unfortunate that it's almost a perception that the National Weather Service has an app. That's kind of the the kind of takeaway that is kind of given. It seems, oh, it seems like this should be something that they have. And so when I go into the app store and it says NWS or NOAA on the radar, then that's something that it must be them. So I'll download it. It seems credible if it has NOAA or NWS kind of attached to it. But then when, once they download it, it's I mean, it's probably not obvious to them that it's not this kind of credible source. Um, but I'm not sure. That's kind of a question for men. I'm not sure how consistent or inconsistent the radars are with kind of each other or sure. how that yeah. works. Um, but I think it can definitely be kind of a cause for concern with consistency. But when we think about it in an app world, I mean, is consistency a good thing or is inconsistency a bad thing? These are questions that we still have because it's also been shown that people need different ways of kind of receiving risk information. One person doesn't receive or un interpret or understand risk information the same. Um, so for example, myself, I might be better at receiving some sort of probabilistic or quantitative information, but men on the other hand might like qualifiers or words in, as ways to describe risk. So while consistency is important, I think it's not, we shouldn't kind of f focus in on making everything exactly the same because we have to be flexible in the way that we communicate because people have different needs when they're trying to get different types of weather information. And um, to go back to the question you had, Mark, too, um, a brief story. I was looking through the App Store about a couple of years ago, and I found the National Weather Service app. And I was like, wait a minute, they don't have an app. So what is this? So I, I downloaded it, looked at it, and it was somebody who was using the National Weather Service name for their app. I think they had several tens of thousands of downloads, actually, and actually really good ratings. They provided information forecasts from the National Weather Service and everything, and they designed their own templates and everything. So um, it definitely had a look and a feel of really decent app. But they use the National Weather Service name, unbeknownst to the National Weather Service. So I brought that to the NWS, and they said, oh, 
we did not know this was happening. We cannot allow this to happen, unfortunately, because, you know, they're using our name and it's not us. And that could be problematic. So they actually took that app down. And just as you guys are talking, I, I went into the app store to see if I could find it. And yeah, it's not there anymore. So they definitely took it down. But um, I don't personally, I don't have any reason to believe that people, when they see that, they think, oh, like you said, Castle, it's an Aston Weather Service or a NOAA. Then it's probably that, that source because they expect these you know big organizations to have an app right but in actuality the nws does not have an app they the closest thing they have is a widget that you can get yeah, you can on your mobile it. device yeah. you can bookmark and you can put in i think five or six zip codes and they can give you a forecast that way but that's the closest thing they have to an actual app yeah isn't the enhanced data display don't they have a mobile version of that as well i think that we can use but again it's it's not exactly streamlined for yeah an app environment yeah the edd is it's really nice um and i like using it for sure but it, yeah it, i wish it was more of a you know an app version for for those things but um you know things could change they and might decide their leadership might decide that they do need an app after all or there might be some um ways that they can figure that out between the private sector where it's not a competition but more of a complement to what the private sector is doing but it's a lot of questions not sure we have answers but hey we're talking about them so that's always good I hope you enjoyed these interesting perspectives on this challenging sort of blended topic of consistency, the mobile environment, where we need to be consistent, where it's okay maybe to have a different idea or approach, as long as we keep that core message the same. Now, along those lines, as I mentioned, we've got this National Weather Podcast thing going on. And I wanted to bring it up, this topic kind of jointly because this can even touch us. You know, I did this presentation at the American Meteorological Society annual meeting about the role of podcast with the Weather Ready Nation Ambassador Program. And even there, I've noticed that we all kind of present the information differently. And to some extent, that's okay. As long as in the end, the critical information, the decision impacting information gets to people in a way that they can act. And as Castle kind of even pointed out a little bit, sometimes it's, you know, maybe men will take something one way and I might take it another way in terms of what the best inputs are for each of us. But underlying that message component that's, you know, at, it, at its core is being fed to us from a baseline state, if you will. So with podcast, it could be the same way too. Right? Some information that we present and share should be the same. And actually, some of it, it's best if it's not. The diversity is critical because each of us, as my study kind of showed, I think each of us reaches a different type of audience overall. You know, some people just love weather stuff and are going to grab everything. Other people, whether it's a style or approach or even the format, it's going to be different what our audiences really appreciate. And I would tell you as I kind of overview each of the podcasts, there's some different things that I generally keep in mind. I know when I'm thinking about podcasts, which is, you know, how long is each podcast? What's the general format? How many hosts are there? You know, is it a big ensemble host arrangement? Is it just a couple of people? Or is it like with, with me, it's just one, okay? 
keep those things in mind because maybe you as a podcast listener have already got a perspective of, of what works for you. But I would tell you, take a chance on each one of these when you have some time. Give each a, a listen. Maybe search through and, and look for ones that, you know, have gotten, if you're on Twitter or some of the other social media platforms, have gotten a lot of likes, not just the average amount. Or it's a topic that might be of interest to you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you each of their paragraphs, and I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical because what is about the weather's last there. And it just makes it easier for me. But with each of these, sometimes the host names, I'm, I'm literally reading the blurbs off the weatherpodcastmonth.com. So you can go there and see the same information. So don't feel like you got to take notes or anything. Sometimes the host names get mentioned. Sometimes they don't. E- each, of them, each of us cover a little different blurb. But I'll try to mention if it's a ensemble or, you know, how many hosts there are, generally speaking, as well as a sense of how often the episodes come out so that you can at least make that arrangement. But let me stop babbling to keep everything in time order and let it start with the Weather Junkies. Okay, as you know, I was on a Weather Junkie episode last year and it's hosted by, it's a, it's a two-host setup. Tyler Jankowski is a broadcast meteorologist communicating the forecast on a daily basis. Dakota Smith is a researcher studying climate risk. Different careers, different perspectives, but both are weather junkies at heart. Join them every week for their conversations on various topics in the weather and climate enterprise. Now, I will tell you that they haven't been necessarily every week since kind of the towards the end of last year, but generally that's their goal. It's somewhere between every week to maybe every two weeks now. It's it's been a little more of a, a flexible window. All right. So the next one, weather hype. Well, you should have a lot of familiarity with weather hype as they were just on and I was on theirs not too long ago. But let me tell you what they say about themselves. Weather hype is a podcast started by two besties who love weather and its connections to people every single day. We wanted to provide an avenue where we could talk about important weather, society-related stories, and educate listeners in a very informal, unstructured way, all the while getting a little sidetracked and having some fun. Weather Hype is a bi-weekly podcast, and I will tell you, they kind of went through a window where they weren't doing as much, but they've gotten back into a regular bi-weekly kind of schedule. Again, two hosts. And as you can kind of hear, it's not dissimilar to what we do here. So I I think for those of you who maybe like that connection element, you might find Weather Hype a good listen for you. All right, let's see who's next. Next one is Weather Brains. And as you guys know, I have been on there. It's an ensemble-based thing. It is every week, meticulously. You can actually watch live recordings there on Monday every week. and But week in, week out, it's going to be there. Big ensemble group. Some people are in week in, week out. You know, some people might have other things to do. But here's what they say about themselves. Now in its 13th year, Weather Brains has over 600 episodes in the can. Founded by host James Spann, the show features a group of panelists of government meteorologists, corporate meteorologists, broadcasters, and academians. The panelists chat comfortably for 90 minutes each week with a guest Weather Brain. Over 800 distinguished weather experts have sat in the chair in over the 12 years. From Skilling to Cantori, to Ussolini to Mayfield, to Z to Doswell, and on and on. 
Many an hour has been passed by weather enthusiasts and professionals listening to the mix of fun, frivolity, and learning. And you can hear, they, they kind of threw in some of the names of people they've had on. Those that are kind of in the weather world, those names will mean something to you. You know, maybe not for somebody that's not as much of a weather nerd or, you know, weather enthusiast. But again, you know, a, a broad background of, of people of different areas within the weather enterprise that are part of that ensemble group that gets together once a week. Up next, Stormfront Freaks, which is an eclectic team of amateur and professional storm enthusiasts from various backgrounds hosting exciting guests from the weather industry. We create an entertaining program with game shows, happy hour drinks, and comments about the latest weather fool. Their bi-weekly show records live each Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, as you can see there, they even kind of mention it. They're, they're a group of people from, from kind of all walks of life. Some make meteorologists, some not, but all that have that weather love. But an ensemble panel with a bi-weekly show, which, again, you can watch live. A bit of fun mixed in with interviews and just weather-related topics. So, you know, kind of a, maybe a casual feel to it, if you will. Next, we have In the Elements. They didn't do a big write-up, so I'll kind of improvise a little bit. It is a podcast that shares the awesomeness of science through the human lens. That's kind of their tagline. But it's a co-hosted show. One researcher, one active forecasting meteorologist bring kind of that scientific feel where they can bring in scientific guests and, and even hit them from different angles to give you a sense of the science from folks on the inside. The next one is Ice Station Houseman, a show about the weather, what causes it, what effect it has on puny humans, and what we can do to improve the weather and our reaction to it. It sits in between kind of the co-host and ensemble with, with three regular hosts, but it's a bit more infrequent in terms of its recording, so maybe if you don't like to get podcast overloaded, this one might be a good one for you. Next, we have the Carolina Weather Group. It is a weekly web show that covers weather, science, technology, and more for the North Carolina and South Carolina, as well as other areas in the Southeast. The show's host interview newsmaking experts in meteorology and other fields of atmospheric science in an informal and relaxed way. Ensemble group, which has grown over time, you know, some people outside that, that original kind of geographic area. And also, it's a weekly show that you can catch. So again, if you like that style, and even if you have that regional interest, you might find that particularly interesting as well. Lastly, we have AMS on the air. After almost 100 years, the American Meteorological Society joins the podcast world. Launching in February 2018, they're ready to podcast with AMS about all things weather, water, and climate. They'll go in-depth with their guests about their own experiences within science, and at times take the philosophical road. It's relatively new, as you heard. Smaller group, again, kind of in between that ensemble or dual co-host sort of thing. But we don't have enough episodes yet to really maybe understand what their style is or how regular they will be. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed that introduction. As I mentioned, all you got to do is go to weatherpodcastmonth.com and you can learn more about all these and the hosts. There's most of them, they do a profile on each of the hosts so you can understand who they all are, get a little bit better sense of which ones might be a good mix for you and do it in a little more on your own time or at your own pace sort of thing. But like I said, 
think about how you can sort of complement what we do here. Broaden your horizons. Again, you know, we don't necessarily do the entertaining perspective. Maybe you'd like to get some of that. We don't talk a lot about weather-specific events that often. Maybe you'd like that. Even if I add more interviewing to the show, it's not going to be the weekly component. And maybe you'd like that. Whatever it is. Check it out. Try some of these other podcasts out. Expand your weather world. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself.